Welcome to The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig, a podcast which endeavors to expose the truth behind legal stories that are distorted by mainstream media. And now, here's your host, passionate truth seeker and veteran attorney, Jill Rosenzweig. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig. I'm your host, Jill Rosenzweig, and today I want to talk to you about the embryo mix-up. I don't know if you saw this in the news, but it's a pretty crazy situation. There were three families who were undergoing uh, in vitro fertilization, um, IVF, at a clinic in California, and apparently what happened was the three families had um, embryo transfers on the exact same day. And in a nutshell, uh, one woman in New York had two embryos implanted into her, and it turned out they were not her embryos. Um, And so she ended up carrying these two embryos to term. Uh, Both babies were born, and when they were born, she realized right away that they could not be genetically hers because both the babies that were born were Caucasian and she is Korean American. Um, And a whole uh, storm ensued. There have been two lawsuits that have been filed against the fertility clinic. And I just wanted to talk to you about both lawsuits and um, just give you more information as to what happened here. Um, And so Uh, The clinic in question is called CHA, and it's a clinic in Los Angeles, and, um, you know, it's touted as this excellent clinic, and all three couples uh, were going there for fertility treatment. Um, Apparently, um, because they all had these uh, embryos transferred on the exact same day, uh, they were all at the clinic at the same time. Um, All three women had had what's called um, an egg retrieval. Um, So just to back up and give you sort of an explanation as to how IVF works, um, what happens is you go through about a 10-day to two-week period of getting, um, you know, sort of injecting these drugs into your body, and those drugs are meant to um, grow multiple eggs at the same time. And um, about two weeks after you start this treatment cycle, a bunch of eggs, whatever eggs are there, um, are retrieved from you and are then um, combined with the sperm in a lab. And after three to five days, typically, um, the lab will then select the best embryos from the bunch and they're able to do testing to determine which are the best ones and um, they will transfer the best embryos into you and typically if there are other embryos they'll freeze the rest of them. Um, Apparently at this specific clinic the maximum amount of embryos that they'll transfer into you at one time is two. Um, I know some clinics will transfer more, uh, but this specific clinic would, would only transfer two at a time, uh, meaning that the uh, greatest possibility is that you would have two embryos that would develop into babies as opposed to, um, you know, some clinics will put four in and then, you know, you have the scenario of having potentially quadruplets. Um, so in any event, all of these women did their IVF cycles at CHA 
and they showed up uh, for their embryo transfers on the same day. Um, and the woman in New York got one embryo from one of these women and one embryo from another of these women. And unbeknownst to her, uh, those two embryos were transferred into her. Uh, what's interesting about the New York woman is that they did, um, you know, genetic testing and they knew that the two embryos that were going to be transferred into them were supposed to be female. And when the woman from New York was pregnant, uh, she was going in for ultrasounds. And at one point they told her that she was having two boys and she thought that that was very bizarre and didn't understand how that was possible considering the embryos that were transferred into her had been supposedly genetically tested and were confirmed to be female. And so she questioned CHA at the time and they assured her, oh, it must be a mistake. Um, you're definitely having girls. The ultrasound must be wrong. Don't worry about it. It's the two embryos that you selected that are being transferred into you. Uh, well, she ended up having the babies. And like I said, she discovered that they were not her kids. Uh, they looked nothing like her. Um, and being that they were Caucasian babies, it was very obvious right away that there was a problem. And so um, CHA flew out to New York and um, performed some genetic testing on these two babies. And, um, you know, next thing you know, they contacted this family in Los Angeles and said, we need you to come into the clinic. We need to do genetic testing on you. Um, the parents, the mom, I mean, the woman and the man asked why, and um, CHA was not willing to explain themselves and explain what was going on. So they nervously went to the clinic. They had cheek swabs done to determine uh, their DNA and were then told for the first time that they had, um, I think at that point, the baby was about two weeks old. Uh, that they had a two-week-old child who had been born, that he was in New York, and that there was a mix-up, and that basically their embryo was implanted in this woman in New York, and that woman had carried their child to term and had given birth to their child and was taking care of their child in New York. And they then had to fly to New York and meet their baby in a hotel uh, I think they said the uh, the lobby or a hallway of a hotel. That was the first time the woman from L.A. met her child. And then it ended up being that there was a whole um, custody dispute that occurred where um, the couple in L.A. had to fight for custody of the child that was genetically theirs but was um, improperly implanted into another woman. Um, and the crazy thing is that the two embryos that were implanted into this woman in New York uh, were not from the same woman. And so there are three women involved. There's the woman in L.A. who has come forward and explained what happened in her situation after um, the baby was, I guess, at the point where I think it, the baby was six weeks old, uh, the couple in L.A., won their custody battle and they were able to get their baby and bring the baby home. Um, and I think, as far as I know, the woman in New York does not have either of the children that she brought to term. I think there's this third family that has not come forward yet and they got their baby back as far as I know. 
And so now this woman in New York was essentially, um, you know, without her permission or consent, used as a surrogate and carried these two children to term um, and then had to say goodbye to them and not have a relationship with them. Um, And so she is suing the fertility clinic and the woman in L.A., the parents in L.A. are also suing the fertility clinic. And we'll see if this third family is suing the fertility clinic. Um, What is very crazy is that we don't know what has happened with the embryos um, of these women that were intended for them. Um, So just to explain further, the family in L.A., says that um, they have no idea what happened to their embryos. So they had three embryos that were frozen. Um, Two embryos of theirs were supposed to be implanted in um, the woman in L.A. And um, she did have two embryos implanted, but because we now know that at least one of her embryos was put in uh, this woman in New York, Um, basically the woman in LA is saying that she doesn't think either of the embryos that were implanted into her were actually her embryos, which she believes happened because the clinic told her one of her three embryos didn't make the thaw. So essentially they were frozen and then defrosted. And the clinic claimed that one of those embryos just didn't survive the, the thaw. And then there were supposed to be two others Um, one of her embryos was definitely put in the woman in New York. And so there's at least one embryo that's not accounted for. So assuming what CHA said was true, that one of them didn't make the thaw, that leaves two. One went to New York and one is God knows where. Um, The woman in LA believes that the one that didn't make the thaw, theoretically, was actually the one that went to New York. And then she thinks the two others were probably put into someone else And basically, as we sit here and I'm recording this today, she's not sure if there may be two other kids out there that are actually genetically hers. Um, And the same goes for the woman in New York. Uh, The embryos that were implanted into her were not genetically hers. And apparently she has no idea where her actual embryos are right now. And I have no idea what's going on with this third couple. um, But I would imagine they're also trying to figure out what happened with their embryos. And the crazy thing here is that, you know, one of the woman that, um, you know, is suing from L.A., she was speaking at a press conference and what she pointed out. And I think that, you know, it's something to really think about is that, you know, the reason why this whole thing came out is because the woman in New York was not um, Caucasian and her babies were. And so it was very obvious to her that those were not her babies. But what about um, other people who have gone to this clinic who give birth to kids and they just assume those kids are theirs and it may turn out that they're not genetically theirs? Um, And so it's a huge issue and apparently CHA is not really responding and they're not, you know, they're sort of not taking ownership of what's happened here. Um, And the lawsuits are essentially suing them, you know, both families, uh, the New York family and the family in LA are suing CHA and asserting a ton of different claims, Um, you know, obviously medical malpractice and intentional infliction of emotional distress and all sorts of other claims. And, um, you know, the idea, I think, for both families is that they're intent on making sure that something like this doesn't happen again. 
that, you know, this fertility clinic, I think will most likely be put out of business. Um, But, you know, the larger picture here is to think about other families and other clinics and their practices to make sure that something like this doesn't occur again. Um, And, you know, one of the things I just wanted to talk about here is that it's interesting to me that um, the there was such a swift determination that the family in LA uh, was able to take their baby home and that they are the rightful parents of the baby because, um, you know, that's not always the case. And I know that there are cases in other countries where the law is that if you carry a baby, then that's your baby, even if there's a genetic link to someone else. Um, and in some instances, I would say that's a good thing. So, you know, in, for the, for an example, people who have uh, a child using an egg donor or sperm donor, in those instances, you want the person who is carrying the child to be considered the rightful parent of that baby. Um, but in a situation like this, where there's a mix up at the clinic, and the surrogate never intended to be the surrogate, and the genetic parents did not intend to have someone else carry their child, you would hope that a court would determine that the genetic parents are the rightful parents of the child and that they get to keep that child. Um, So I just wanted to point out that I think it's great that that was the outcome in New York. And, um, you know, the law with respect to, uh, you know, different forms of uh, reproduction is kind of um, an ever-evolving thing. And because it, it there are all these new modes of having babies, um, sometimes the law takes a bit of time to catch up. And so I think it's great that the end result here is that this family in L.A., Uh, got their baby. I think it's very sad for uh, the woman in New York and particularly sad that she um, spent all of this time and money to um, create these embryos. And it sounds like she has absolutely no idea where her embryos are. And um, just the emotional upheaval that she must be going through to carry these babies to term and believe that they are her babies and have the joy of giving birth to babies. And can you just imagine the shock of the babies coming out and not only seeing that they're not the two girls that you were expecting, but seeing that they are Caucasian and you must know immediately that there's something wrong. Um, I can only imagine the devastation that the family in New York had to suffer through Um, Not to mention the mom and dad in Los Angeles who find out that they have a baby in New York that the, you know, they never were able to experience the joy of the mom carrying the baby and giving birth to the baby and being with the baby in the first moments after the baby was born. I mean, it's just tragic on all fronts. Um, And from what I understand, the way that CHA handled it, they kind of tried to cover it up as long as they could. They weren't forthright with any of the parties involved. And, um, you know, I think that that will come back to hurt them with these cases where the parties are seeking punitive damages. And I think when you take actions that are willful and you're intentionally concealing information, uh, that does not help. And I think that, um, you know, if a jury is hearing these cases, those specific facts in terms of the way that this whole thing was handled by CHA, 
uh, will definitely work against them in terms of the damages that they will suffer in these cases. Um, you know, one thing that I find interesting is that these cases actually made it to court and there wasn't, um, theoretically, there was no offer to settle these cases before the parties filed suit. I wonder if maybe the parties just decided that there was no amount of money that they would accept without filing suit because it was just too important to them to make sure that people understood what happened and to go public with the story. Um, and typically when you have a settlement in a case like this, especially when it's prior to filing a lawsuit, uh, one of the uh, necessary components of the settlement agreement would be a confidentiality provision. And my guess is that the families involved here had absolutely zero interest in settling these cases with a confidentiality provision because it was very important to them that the story come out and that the public know what happened to them. Um, and so, you know, I honestly feel like these cases are extremely important and I commend these families for uh, coming forward and sort of having to continue to live through the pain that they've already suffered because it would probably be a lot easier for them to just move forward and concentrate on, you know, the family in L.A. on being with their new baby um, and the family in New York on just mending the pain that they've been through. Um, but I think that what they're doing is honestly noble that they're getting the word out so that people that are doing um, in vitro are aware of the potential risks and are really uh, selecting the clinics that they go to very carefully and are doing their research. Um, one of the things that the attorney for the family in L.A. said is that if you Google CHA, you could actually find, you know, some really negative things about that clinic. And so, um, you know, uh, one thing I would say is that when you're looking at clinics, it's not just about looking up their statistics and seeing how many live births they have in, the, in a year or, you know, researching how good the fertility lab is and things of that nature, which I know a lot of people do, but also just looking to see if they have any negative press. Um, you know, you want to make sure that they are really taking this stuff very seriously. Uh, they have labs and um, facilities where they store frozen embryos. And, um, you know, they when fertility clinics have a lot of people coming to them, they have to be really meticulous in, in how they uh, store these embryos and keep them separated and make note of whose is whose um, so that things like this don't happen. Um, and obviously that didn't happen here. It's, it's incredible to me that three women showed up at a clinic on the same day. And, um, you know, it seems like none of them got the right embryos, which just, you know, you can only imagine uh, what more happened at this clinic that we haven't heard about yet. So um, anyway, uh, I just wanted to talk about this situation. It's a situation that hits pretty close to home, um, being that I am an IVF mom and, uh, you know, I'm just grateful that nothing like this happened to me, but my empathy uh, toward these parents is just, I, I, it, it's, I can't even express um, how I felt reading about this. It just literally was like a gut punch because it's every IVF parent's worst nightmare. Um, and so I just hope that these families are able to heal 
I hope that the woman in New York is finally able to have the child that she's hoping to have. Um, and, you know, I hope that the third family that we don't really know about is doing okay and that, you know, they've been reunited with their child. Um, anyway, that's it for today. It's a short one. Um, but I just wanted to talk about this issue because it's obviously important to me. Um, so if you have any comments or feedback or have any thoughts about this specific situation, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, my email address is thewholetruthpod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram at thewholetruthpod and on Facebook. The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig is the Facebook group. Thanks so much and have a great day.